in the book of Galatians. And what, what has happened so far in this book is, is Paul the Apostle, we've, we've learned about his life, who he is, the things that he's done, the things that God has done in him, and how God has used him. And one of the ways God has used him is to start this church in Galatia. He planted it maybe a year or two before this letter was written. But something happened in this church. They, they got off track of doctrine. They got off track of, of what the gospel, what Jesus has done and how that applies to their life. And so Paul writes this letter and, he's, and he says, I'm, I'm so perplexed, I'm, I'm really frustrated that so soon after I left you, you started to get off track. And he starts to bring them back to what is called the gospel. The centrality of it, the depth of it, the beauty of it, and what it means. And as he's bringing them back, he shares his story, and that's where we left off last week. And so where we're picking up this week, it's right at the tail end of his story, but he, he begins to drive in deep on the doctrine of the gospel, on, on what it truly means. Yes, we can hear and we can, and we can believe that Jesus came. He was incarnated on earth. He died for our sins, and then he rose, breaking the power of death, and then he ascended into heaven. We can believe that, but what does that mean? And Paul begins to share, what does that mean? And so the first thing that, and he begins to share that for a lot of the rest of Galatians, and, and how that gospel truly plays out and what the, the doctrine of that means. What is the biblical play-by-play and what, how this applies to our life. And so we are jumping in today's message is titled, We Are Justified. And so I want to start in verse 11, chapter 2 of Galatians. And when you read this, there's only one thought that can come to your mind is Paul must have been born in Brooklyn. So let's read verse 11. We're going to read to verse 14. It says, But when Cephas, Cephas is, is Peter the apostle, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Brooklyn? Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? I really want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, go listen to the podcast. It's on our SoundCloud. you find it on our social media, on our website. Go listen to it because it, it really ties into what we're talking. We learned about the characters, about Barnabas, some of the people that are at play here. We learned about the circumcision party and what they were trying to do to the Galatian church. And those are really great contexts to have in the midst of today's message. She wants to hear the word. <laughs> but I said Paul would fit in Brooklyn 
because he sees Peter, the apostle, like this is the Peter, the one that's in the, the Gospels, the one that um, it, it, he's named Rock, like Jesus himself renamed him. One of the head, the, the closest three apostles. This is the Peter that, that Paul says, I went and I opposed him to his face because that dude was acting like a hypocrite. Right? Paul, if he was around today, he would fit in. He, he would be a native New Yorker. There's no doubt. Because when he saw Peter acting like a hypocrite, he called him out. And not only did it call, he wasn't like, hey, Peter, let me talk to you real quick in the bathroom, you know. He said in front of everybody, I went to his face. And I said, you're a hypocrite, son. <laughs> That's the Justin Gangster translation right there. See, because, why did Paul do this? Because he knew something, that the gospel is not just reflected in words. The gospel is also reflected in actions. See, Peter was initially, what, what was happening here is Peter was initially, he was hanging out with the Gentiles, right? And if you know anything about the Jews, they, they, have two, they have very strict laws. And two of those laws say you cannot eat unclean foods and you cannot hang out with unclean people. Gentiles, a.k.a. unclean people. Peter is living it up. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. He's like, yo, Jesus delivered us from all of this, all of the, these food regulation nonsense. I don't have to do that anymore. I'm chilling. Like, I'm eating. He was probably eating bacon or something like that. Like, he was, he was having a good time. And then, and then the, there was a Jewish party that came from Jerusalem, and they were part of this circumcision party, which is really what they wanted is they wanted everybody to follow the law. And so when they came, Peter was like, oh, snap. They're going to get me in trouble. So, hey, guys, yeah, I know I was chilling with you yesterday, and we were having bacon, and it was great, and, you know, it was a grand time, and I really like this stuff, but I'm just going to pretend like I don't know you for a second. And he went away from them, Did, stopped hanging out with them, stopped eating with them. Because he, was, he feared what the Jewish people that were coming were going to say, what they were going to do. And so Paul publicly sees Peter do this and so has to publicly address his actions. Because his actions were speaking to something about the gospel that people were going to pick up on. See, his actions were saying this. Gentiles are less than Jews. They are still unclean people. But Paul knew this, that the gospel says all people are equally in need of salvation. Nobody is better. We are all unclean. Peter's action said following the purification laws is still important. Paul knew that the gospel said the law cannot purify you. Only Jesus can. And so Paul affirms that Peter's actions are not in line with the gospel in verse 14 when he says their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Our actions speak to whether we believe in the gospel or not. And I want us to remember that. I think that that's going to be a really important cornerstone of today's message. 
our actions and, and the rest of Galatians, our actions speak loudly when it comes to what we say we believe. And with that, I want to move to verse 15 because Paul begins to expand on this thought of what actions mean. He says in verse 15 and 16, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. There's a lot of, a lot of Christian words right here. And so I love it because we're going to get into that today. Paul, what he explains here is he says this, actions do not save us, but actions will show us where our heart is. I'm going to repeat that. Actions do not save us. What we do cannot bring us into heaven, but they will show us where our heart is. But what does save us, Paul? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Faith in Christ. That is what saves us. How does it save us, Paul? Great question. Thank you. It justifies us. Faith in Christ justifies us. We're going to stay on that word, justification. It's an incredibly important word as you understand the gospel and as you begin to read scripture and understand scripture. When it comes to understanding theology, when it comes to understanding doctrine, when it comes to understanding who we are in Christ, what he's done for us, justification is one of those words that we have to keep coming back to, that we have to remember, that we have to understand. And as Paul says here, it's our faith in Christ that justifies us. So what is justification? Well, normally, I would say we use it like this in a normal sentence. Remember, this is, this is Brooklyn gangster translation. I was justified when I slapped him. <laughs> Why? Because he deserved it, right? That's, that's what we say. I was justified when I hated her because she was talking crap about me. That, that's how we use that word justified in a normal life or, you know, maybe a little messed up Brooklyn life. Maybe not such a normal life. But that's how we typically would use that word we would say, well, I was justified in my actions towards that person. They deserve hate. They deserve to be slapped. They deserve to get what was coming to them. And so when we look at that word, when we look at what justification is, it is a process of nullifying our bad due to the action of someone or something else. Justification literally means just as if I never sinned. So let's reread that. Even though I slapped him, it's as if I didn't sin because what that person did. All right? It's as if I didn't steal because, you know, I was owed this from somebody else anyway. So justification is something that nullifies our actions. It says, hey, I know you did this, but... Because of what somebody else did or something else that happened in your life, it's okay that you did that. 
But what Paul is saying here and what we need to understand is that only Christ can bring true justification. See, what Christ says is his life says this, in my work, you are seen as sinless. In my actions, you are seen as sinless. What Peter was doing here is, is he was saying, in Peter's actions, we're still pointing to this, to our work, making us justified. And so that's the difference between what Peter was doing and what Christ says. Christ says, in what I have done, in my work, you are justified. Peter's actions were saying, hey, in what I'm doing, in the purification laws, in, in circumcision, and not hanging out with the Gentiles, with the unclean, that is what justifies me. Peter was saying, even though I sinned, I can still go to heaven because I ate the right foods, I talked to the right people, and acted in a good way. See, Peter, what he was saying was, yeah, yeah, yeah Jesus is great, Jesus is great, yeah, yeah. But I, I still need to eat the right food, I still need to talk to the right people, and I still need to act in a certain way. Because even though Jesus is good, as long as I keep doing those things, I'll be good as well. But what Paul explains here is he goes, uh-uh-uh. He says, no, 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 no. Our justification has nothing to do with who we talk to. Our justification has nothing to do with what food we ate. It has nothing to do with how we have lived. Our justification has everything to do with who Jesus talked to. Our justification has everything to do with how Jesus lived. Our justification has everything to do with what Jesus ate. And when I put my faith in him, that is what justifies me before God. When I put my faith in Jesus, I can go to God because it's as if I never sinned. Because I will have actions that I've done in my past, things that sinned against God. I have lied. I have stolen. It doesn't matter if it was the 50 cents I used to rob my parents from when I was a kid or the, the cheating that I, I can't spell in my life. And I promise it's because I started cheating in first grade on all my spelling tests. I, I don't know what I would do in the world if spell check did not exist. But how is it that me, a sinner, who has grown up to do way worse things than cheating on my spelling test on, in first grade, how is it that me, a sinner, can sit here during worship and experience the powerful presence of God? How is it that me, a sinner, when in the Bible it clearly states that when sinners look upon him or in his presence that they will drop dead out of unrighteousness, how is it that me, a sinner, can stand before God and he can proclaim me justified for what I have done? It is not in my actions, it is not in my life, it is not in my goodness. But it has everything to do with Jesus' actions 
Jesus' life and Jesus' goodness. Because what, what Paul is saying here is that faith in Jesus justifies us before God. When we put our faith in Jesus, when we put our belief in him and what he's done, then we realize that when God looks at us, it's as just as if I never sinned. I stand before him blameless. I stand before him spotless. I stand before him clean and pure. And that's hard to wrap our, our mind around. That's hard to wrap our head around because when we think about that, we, we think of two things. We think, I don't deserve that or I know somebody else that doesn't deserve that. You know, it, it's like this. It's this week I got a car wash. I haven't gotten a car wash in a really long time. And my car was dirty. I mean, we just went through snow and sleet and rain and just I live in Brooklyn and you know, it's like I people breathe on it and it's like, why is it Where did that come from? It's dirty. It's disgusting. It's been a long time, like the inside, there's just like leaves in there, you know, all this stuff. It's, it's, it was getting out of control. I was going to meet with one of my clients on Friday, and so I was like, I got to go get a car wash. Yeah, I, I wasn't doing it because I, I decided I needed to be clean in my life. It was just, I was going needed, to, I needed to go get a car wash. And so I go, I get this, I go get my car wash. I'm looking like, man, this thing is beautiful. I forgot that I have a nice car. Like, there's, it looks good under, like, when it's not so grimy and dirty and disgusting. And so I drive out, literally 30 seconds after I drive out of the car wash, I stop at a red light, and there's another car in front of me. I'm like, yo, that car is disgusting. Look how dirty that thing is. Like, what are they doing in their life? Why don't they go to a car wash? Serious, right around the corner. He just got to make two lefts, and he's there. This person is just disgusting. Like, what are they doing? The, the, and the, the judgment that came out of me 30 seconds after I had the dirtiest car in Brooklyn. And this guy's car was by far less dirty than my car was at this moment. And a lot of times when, when we get saved and we get before Christ, it's like that. He washes us. He justifies us. And then we look at somebody and it's like, you don't deserve that. We got a little bit better. We stopped cussing. Maybe we stopped smoking a little weed every once in a while. Maybe, you know, we stopped doing our things. And then we start looking at other people and it's like, why do they get it so freely? Why is it that they don't deserve to be in front? I know what you did. I heard what you said about me. You didn't know about that thing 10 years ago that you did, but Papi, I saw what you did and somebody told me about it. And I didn't tell you that I know. You don't know that I know, but other people know that I know that you... Come on. You can't just be walking in church like that. Put your head down a little bit at least. <laughs> Have a little shame in your walk. 
When we read this passage, we think, how is it possible that dirty people like me, or we could say dirty people like that, can go before God? And it, it irks our human nature because we are people that must work for things. I work to get my promotion. I work to get my job, to get my degree, to go to school, to have a family, to whatever it is that you did. We, we are so used to a culture that if we do not deserve it, we do not get it. But yet, Jesus is saying here, I know you do not deserve it, but here you are. You can have it. And that is justification. Justification is going before God and going before him just as if you never sinned. It, didn't, it doesn't matter if just this morning you were in sin. And I got like 10 things that I could say, but I know I'll offend somebody saying it because somebody did it this morning. <laughs> but that is how we can come and experience his presence because when we go to him, thank God he doesn't look at us. Thank you, Jesus. When we worship and his presence comes and he dwells among us and he lives in us, all these things, how is that possible because of Jesus? Because he looks at Jesus' life. He looks at what Jesus ate. He looks at what, who Jesus talked to. He looks at how Jesus fulfilled the law. And in him, the law is fulfilled in my life as well. And Paul begins to explain this more. He says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So for all you car washing haters like me, Paul says this, what happens when we keep sinning? Is Christ then a promoter of sin? Like what about these bad people and like what if I keep messing up? What if my car gets dirty again? Is Jesus, is, Jesus, is he cool? Is he promoting sin saying, hey, you can do whatever you want, baby? Smoke up. Go get drunk. It's cool. I got you. Is, is that what Jesus is saying? That's what Paul asks. And he says, certainly not. No. That's not what he's saying. See, what happens is, what Paul is defending against here is people who tend to be legalistic, people who, who, who work by the law, People who say you must be good, people like me who look at another person's dirty car, and even though I just had a dirty car, say, ain't you tripping? Like, what are you doing? People like that, when they hear the gospel preached, 
The gospel is too liberal for them. We talked last week about legalism and liberalism. And when you're all the way here on legalism, the gospel is on this side, and that's way too liberal for you. And so Paul hears these thoughts of people that are, uh, he knows what they're going to say. Well, Paul, you're just giving everybody a free pass, man. You're just letting everybody do whatever they want for the rest of their life. How is that? Come on, man. Paul's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not. That is not what justification means. See, Paul says this. When we have faith in Christ and we become justified to enter into God's family, there's some things that happen. There's some things that happen in your life when you begin to believe in Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, when you put your faith in Christ and what he's done, and you stop putting it in yourself, and you stop putting it in others, and you stop putting it in in drugs, in alcohol, in habits, in addictions, in family, in, in whatever it is, in entertainment, when you stop putting your faith in yourself and the things of this world, and you start putting your faith in Jesus, there's some stuff that happens. And, and here's what happens, guys. He says, we are made alive to God. See, something that we may have not have realized is that we were dead. When Adam sinned, God told him, if you sin, if you eat this fruit, Adam, you are going to die. And Adam, you know, him and Eve, they ate the fruit. They're like, still good. But what they didn't realize is that there was a spiritual death and a separation that happened. And so when we put our faith in Jesus and we are justified, we are now alive in Christ. The deadness that was our spirit, our relationship to God is no more. It's now made new. It's now made alive. The second thing he says is Christ now lives in you. Literally, in the Old Testament, the temple was the place where God dwelled. And the temple, the Holy of Holies, was the place where the presence of God dwelt. But what scripture begins to inform us on and share with us is this, that now in the New Testament, the temple is not a physical space that we go to, but the temple is inside of us. That is where Christ now dwells. And so when we put our faith in Christ, he comes and makes our home in us. And what Paul is saying is that does something. When Christ makes his home in your heart, when we are now going from a dead person to someone who is alive, that changes who we are. It changes us To an extent that when we truly put our faith in Christ alone and nothing we can do, wonderful things begin to happen in our life. We are forever different and never again the same. See, when we truly look to Jesus as our only Savior... We are different. And why Paul is so upset as Peter 
is because Peter is not living out the life of the gospel transformation that Paul knows he should. See, what Peter is saying here in his actions is you say, I believe in God, yes. But I'm still going to continue to act the way I did before I knew him. Which in his case was following the law in order to be saved. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. What happens here is that we are made alive to Christ. Christ dwells in us now. And what that does is that changes our lives forever. So I am not saying that Jesus is a promoter of sin. I am not saying that we just get to live our life however we want. We get to do whatever we want. What I am saying is that when we put our faith in Jesus, something different happens to us so that we never actually live the same again. But what if I mess up? Guess what? When you messed up before, did you repent? Did you feel conviction? You may have felt shame. You may have felt condemnation, but now you feel conviction. Condemnation says, get away from me. I don't want you. You're disgusting. You're shameful. You shouldn't be in my presence. Conviction says, come here. I have healed you. I have saved you. You are justified in my presence. You are justified in Christ. So it's okay. It's as if you've never done this. Come close to me. I want relationship with you. Condemnation says when I mess up, I need to get away from the presence of God. I'm going to be killed by him. I can't be next to him. He must not love me anymore. What conviction does is it says, but God has justified me so I can stand before his presence again. God, I turn away from where I was and I turn my face towards you. And Paul knows, just as I know, that there's no way you can live your life the same way. When that has happened to you. Even if you still struggle with sin, it's different because you're repenting of that. You're coming towards Christ instead of running from him. And if you begin to run from him, then you need to ask yourself the question that Paul is asking Peter. Are your actions showing that you truly believe in Christ as your justification? When we run from him, when we mess up, when we, when we begin to go to our old ways, when we begin to live our life like we used to, far from God, we need that Paul in our life to come and to confront us and to say, Justin, you've, you've said a great talk. You've prayed a great prayer, but what your life is telling me right now is that you do not truly believe in what Jesus has done for you. That's how true it is. What your life is saying right now is that you don't understand that you are justified before him, that it's as if you've done no wrong. Though you may sin, you repent. Though you may not be perfect, you have a father who will guide you. Though you cannot do it, you have someone who did who's living in you. 
It is impossible to live the same life in sin when your faith is in God alone. But my question for us today is, are we like Peter? Do you agree with what Christ has done, but still find your actions speaking otherwise? Would you agree with what we said today, but still find your life living an ulterior message, an ulterior gospel? My prayer for us is this. Father, put Paul's in our life that will correct us boldly when our actions do not line up with our words. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you do not ask us to justify our actions before you. But, Father, that you look to your son to justify what we've done. And he does it fully and he does it completely. Father, and I thank you that when that happens, our life becomes different. But, Lord, today what you are asking us Is not how has our thinking become different or has our words become different or, but you're asking us, have our actions become different? Lord, and if they haven't, convict us this morning. Draw us closer to you today. Lord, that as we get through this series, in Galatians and all the different things that your gospel proclaims in our life. And this first thing that we talk about is justification, that God, that we would go to you in prayer and that we would have new tools in our prayer box. That when the enemy lies to us and says we aren't good enough, that we can say to him, yeah, I know I'm not good enough, but I know someone who is. And thanks be to Jesus that I'm not going on my own merit, but I'm going on his. That, Father, when we look at our life and we say, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God, that we can realize that's exactly the system you set us up for. That you knew we would never be worthy on our own, so you sent your son to justify us. And, Lord, I thank you that when we know that, when we put our faith in that, that you change us forevermore. Why don't we stand? In worship today, I ask that you put your faith in Jesus. Reflect on your actions. Reflect on your life. Don't think of others. Don't finger point, but reflect on your own heart. And ask God, are my actions lining up with you? 
And don't say, how can I get my actions better? But ask yourself, how can I put my faith in Jesus?